Hello everyone and welcome in to a special episode of the Irish NFL Show. We are delighted to welcome back our next guest. Um, he has been on with us before, good friend of the show, James Palmer. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, guys. It has been a wild uh, 12 hours uh, that we're coming off of this uh, to chat with you guys, but it's uh, it's the season's almost here, man. I've, I've been going everywhere. It's been fun. Let's let's do this. I'm happy to be back on. We had a lot of laughs last time. I mean, we had a lot to live up to, guys. You know? Yeah, I I know. And and you mentioned that you have been like we we see we saw Peyton's places. This soft season has been Palmer's places. <laughs> I know we both live in Denver. Uh, he's definitely much more recognizable than me, but we've been around, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. Usually, I was joking with some of the people I work with at NFL Network. I was like, "You usually, I spend the first day uh, at home. I live in Denver with the Broncos, and I'm like every year quarterback battle. It's going to be uh, Paxton Lynch or Trevor Simeon, or it's going to be you know Joe Flacco, and then I don't go back to Denver like the rest of training camp." This year, I spent like the first five days there and, you know, I had a chance to sit down with Russ and, and everything. It's just it's just so different there now that they have a legitimate quarterback after Peyton, uh, another probably future Hall of Famer in, in, uh, in, in Russell Wilson. So I actually stayed there a little bit in the beginning of camp. It was it was different for me before I made all my all my, all my rounds, but it was nice. It was cool. There's a buzz in the city, guys, with new ownership and. You know, a new quarterback, a new energetic, uh, innovative head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. There's a lot of buzz around uh, around the Broncos for sure, and also the city coming off the Stanley Cup with uh, the Avalanche winning. So it's been uh, it's been fun to be home. Hopefully, I'll spend some time there. The AFC West is wild. James, you're saying all the things that Colin wants to hear as a Broncos fan. You know, he's already very excited for the season. But we've got to start with the main storyline this week. You've obviously spent time in Cleveland this week. Um, we were we did a live show last week. We got a lot of interaction. A lot of people have different views on the situation. Peter Harvey was due to come out with the announcement this week, potentially around what he felt was the appropriate ban, shall we say. Roger Goodell was very adamant last week. He was looking for the season ban. They've hit this 11-game marker. Do you think the NFL kind of went with disagreement because he felt that maybe Peter Harvey wasn't going to be as severe as he hoped? And maybe did Deshaun Watson feel that? I wouldn't say he's getting why he was, but, you know, that they came to a common ground and ultimately this is where he wants it to be. Yeah, I think probably common ground's probably the best word for it because I, I think both sides aren't very comfortable with 11 games. Uh, I think, obviously, it's not enough in the league's mind. And and from Deshaun Watson's uh, camp and their side of things, they, they think it's too much because they still, and I was there with them yesterday, I'm still in Cleveland now, um, uh, you know, he, he still is standing on his innocence. Um, it's, it's interesting and difficult to comprehend, uh, that he is apologizing, but also stating that he's innocent at the same time. Uh, I'm not sure how that's uh, possible, uh, to do. Uh, and, and at the same time, he's keep stating that he needs to, you know, become a better person. And part of this settlement is to be, uh, going through this counseling that is going to take some time and it's going to be evaluated and his behavior is going to be evaluated um, through all of that. Um, there were aspects that the league wanted to have included, which that was one of them. Um, the fine and the $2 million that are going on top of his 5 million, one from the Browns and one from the league that gets it to 7 million going to nonprofit educational uh, foundations for sexual misconduct and things like that. Those are things the league definitely wanted to, uh, to put in place, but yeah, they really, you know, they were pushing hard for the indefinite suspension, but I mean, 
the one of the reasons we followed this so closely, um, not just because of the human aspect of it, and that's clear, but the other aspect of it from how the league's going to function moving forward, right? Because this is the first time in the new CBA it's it's been handled this way, that where Roger Goodell is not handing down the suspension. It's out of his hands. That At first, it was Sue L. Robinson that's an independent you know, judge to hear this. Her ruling comes down, and then both sides have the ability to appeal. NFLPA right, stated that they weren't going to appeal the night before. Um, the ruling came down, the initial one, and then the NFL obviously appealed it. And I was actually in Minnesota um, for the Broncos uh, ownership, Colin. Nice. You know, we can talk about the new Broncos ownership too. Um, and and so I was there when we thought Roger Goodell was just going to say it's in the appeal process and we're, you know, we can't really comment on it. But he went, you know, much more aggressively in his comments to us there in Minneapolis about the way he felt. So you know the way the league felt and Roger Goodell felt about, you know, the egregious acts. Uh, the predatory behavior, I believe those were both terms used by Sue Robinson in, in her initial report. Um, so you could tell a settlement was probably coming first last Friday when I was in Jacksonville and Deshaun Watson kind of had kind of he didn't think it was, but most people believe his first apology uh, on the situation in a pregame interview uh, at the team hotel before they played the Jaguars. And then you started thinking, OK, we're probably taking steps towards a settlement. And over the last couple of days, um, we kind of knew that was possible. The talks on the settlement have been going on for, for months. Um, so we knew that there was always a case a settlement was going to happen in some capacity. But I don't think we'll ever know now what Peter C. Harvey's uh, ruling was going to, to be that they would have had to stand with um, both sides with it being the appeal. But we did get a chance to see this process go for the, for the first time. From a football standpoint, because I think we're all relieved everybody wants to move on and start look forward to the season. Do you think the Browns are kind of looking at this in a precarious situation? Because um, not, there's not a lot of expectation with Jacoby Brissett because of what he's done over the past couple of years. But if he was to have a really good season and they hit the back end of the season and they're potentially in a playoff push, will they make the move to bring in Deshaun Watson? With bearing in mind he didn't play one snap last year in Houston, potentially he's going to miss the majority this season. Would they say, do you know what, you'll have to sit until next season or if things are just moving in the wrong direction, obviously then potentially you would come in and play. I don't, I mean, I think Jacoby Rousseau would have to be playing with his hair on fire if if they stay with him when when Deshaun comes back. I mean, I, I think we haven't seen him playing so long and, and we know that those three drives in Jacksonville were not good. I mean, you know, I think it was one for five for seven yards and seven total yards as an offense, 20 penalty yards and it was it was not good, um, and he hasn't played, and they wanted him to kind of kick the rust off, which I do think is interesting that they're not playing him in these last two preseason games. I, I thought it would be smart to play him in those two preseason games. One, you're not going to play Jacoby Brissett probably in either game um, because if something happens to him, you're in a really precarious situation. Um, and the main reason they played him against Jacksonville was to try to knock some of this rust off, like you're saying, right? So um, I'm surprised he's not playing, and he's going to keep practicing until August 30th is when his, he's allowed to, you know, um, practice up until um, and, and then I talked to his quarterback coach actually who was out of practice on the day the, the suspension came down yesterday and, and we kind of talked about what him and Deshaun are going to do during this time away he's actually allowed to come back I believe October 10th I want to say uh, much sooner than he's actually playing um, and start getting in the building and then return to practice uh, that week before the game against the Texans which how wild is that that that's the game he comes back for um, I think we have to remember the last time he actually played football um, in 2020, he was incredible. 
I mean, on a really bad team, um, led the NFL in passing. Um, I, I re still remember the NFL films shots. I think, it was, yeah, when JJ Watt and him were walking off the field, JJ's just apologizing to him. Like you were incredible. Like we wasted another one of your years from a football side of things. He's, he's one of the best quarterbacks on the planet. Um, I don't see a, a scenario where he wouldn't play. I do see them in a playoff push possibly because of how good their defense is how good their offensive line is and how good their running game is i think all of those help out your situation if you're playing your backup quarterback for 11 games um what i'm curious about is if they make a move at the wide receiver spot at some point uh after these cuts happen uh or make a trade because after amari cooper they're they're pretty thin at the receiver spot diamond people jones is there i think uh Schwartz has had some drops, uh, but he he could fly. Uh, and David Bell, who's supposed to play in the slot as their rookie, uh, has been on the PUP. So I think I think receiver could be something that they could be looking at. But they're definitely, I mean, once this once this suspension is up, I mean, they're going to roll with the, the two hundred thirty million dollar investment that they made. So, James, by the time this comes out, it'll be less than a week to the college football season opening in Dublin and, and Big Red Nebraska are, are going to be over here. But you were spending some time with, with Big Andy Reid, Big Red himself. Uh, I think Andy and I share a love of uh, shirts. Uh, I think we'd get on. Yeah, uh, on... 100%. <laughs> You'd love this get up. Um, but the the Chiefs obviously made some uh, moves over the offseason, trade Tyreek Hill. There's all of, you know, the, the talk around that. And we've seen Tyreek talk about Tua. But is it um, the fact that I'm a Broncos fan? I've been burned by Andy Reid and the Chiefs so many times that I think um, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are more than capable of cooking up uh, a phenomenal offense. And what did you see uh, going on there in, in Kansas? Yeah, it was a couple interesting days there. Um, the, a lot of eyes are on the Chiefs, right? I mean, this is going to be a, a different offense that they're going to be running. Um, and everybody, uh, you know, knows I spend so much time in the AFC West. So when I go to all the other teams, like, oh, you know, Chiefs are getting knocked off. I'm like, okay, guys, they won six straight titles. Let's, let's like, we haven't even played a game yet. We can't say they're getting bumped off from winning the division. Like, what have they done wrong that says we shouldn't have that, uh, you know, that thought process? I do think on paper, the Chargers, I'll put this in there, on paper, roster-wise, I think the Chargers have the best roster top to bottom in the in the division. I think we're going to see a really different group. It was interesting to be there and kind of watch like Juju Smith-Schuster and, and then um, he'd create some separation. Then you'd see Marquez Valdez-Scantling go deep and McCole Hardman line up in the Wildcat and get some swing passes out wide just to get him the ball in space. Sky Moore, their rookie receiver who they really like, who's who's kind of like a mad dog out there. They love his competitiveness. And obviously they still have Kelsey, who's, you know, Pat told me is obviously the one I have all the chemistry with. It was interesting because I, I know their safety, Justin Reed, who came over from the Texans. And I talked to him after practice and I was like, well, who's, who's shining here? Like who, who's going to be the guy. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I, I don't know. Like, I think it's going to happen organically through camp that just somebody's going to kind of emerge because every day it's kind of somebody different. You could look at that as a glass is half empty and be like, like nobody's really shining or, Glasses half full, like, oh boy, when the season comes, everybody's going to have to just cover everybody and Pat will go to whatever is the best matchup. I think that's kind of probably the greater instance. I think they're going to run the football more. Keep your eye out on Isaiah Pacheco, their rookie running back. I've just, their organization has raved to me about him. He is probably their fastest and most physical back at the same time. Um, that's a pretty good combination uh, to be. 
So I, I think that, that Pat's going to really spread it around. I had a chance to talk with him when I was out there, and he loves that McColl has kind of embraced um, that deep route stuff that he does, that, that Tyreek was so good at, and he thinks that he's had in one of the better camps he's ever seen him have. Um, he has bigger receivers, which I think help him a lot, and that's going to you know help them in the red zone, I think, specifically. And I think what we're seeing is – the new era of Patrick Mahomes, this happens. You have to turn over your lineup. You saw them do it on the defensive side of the ball too with, you know, moving on from, from Tyron Matthew, who everybody in Kansas City loves. So, like, now we're seeing it go in that route of, of Tom Brady, right? All right, a bunch of new receivers. Well, he's still great, and the offense still moves. And I think that's what we're going to see this new, you know, the, the next chapter of, uh, of Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be kind of fun to watch and see how it un, un plays. He has a Hall of Fame coach to do it with. James, another great quarterback has caused a lot of controversy this week. I'm not sure how much time you've taken out to read about Aaron Rodgers' comments around the, the younger generation of receivers in which they have in the building now. But I suppose there's a mixed opinion around how outspoken he was. Some people feel it will benefit the team in the long run because, you know, once he's saying stuff in front of the media, behind closed doors, he'll be a little bit more encouraging on the guys. But he has been quite outspoken this week. Some people think it could go a different way. What's your thoughts on it? Is it a reputation team? Because I feel that we spoke about last night in show with Peyton Manning in his time, or even Tom Brady was today, but to say similar comments, we're not so sure it would get the, so it's the negative backlash in which it has. Yeah, because Aaron's a lightning rod in this league for, for a variety of reasons, right? When he says something, it's always different, whether it's because he's not wanting to say something and then all of a sudden he does come and say something. And I think we know that Peyton and Tom have always been very just... Uh, What's the best way to put it? Like they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna do their time on the podium and they're gonna go about their business. They really don't care about what they say up there. It is like canned answer. I'm just gonna say, you know, the most, you know, football speak type of thing. We're getting better every day. It's gonna be, you know, all the all the cliches, and then go on with their business. Aaron, you never know what he's gonna say, so it always is kind of a little more interesting. I do think you're right. Behind closed doors, I think it's definitely a little bit of a situation. Or he's, you know. I don't want to think for Aaron. Nobody, nobody can think like that. Um, <laughs> the way he does and goes about his day, but I, it could be like, Hey, light a fire under these guys. You know what I mean? Like, you know, kind of like, Hey, I'm not seeing it. I'm going to let everybody know and, and let's go. But I do think they're going to be fine. Cause I think we're, we're, I don't want to say overreacting because you lose the best receiver in football. It's difficult, but like Robert Tunyon's back, uh, you know, he missed all of last year at the tight end spot. Nobody had more touchdowns at the tight end spot in 2020 than, than Robert did. I mean, that's a great red zone target to have. He has two great running backs, and Aaron Jones is a, a phenomenal receiver for a running back. I always look in the league as pass catchers, not who are your receivers. Who, who are the guys you can throw the football to? I think that matters more um, because Aaron is so good um, – that you can find different ways to get different players open. I think Alan Lazard is a good player. I don't think you can really rely on Sammy Watkins and I like Sammy, but I don't think, I don't think he'd argue with that right over what's happened over the last several years. And to have a rookie receiver step in and be a major impact is a little difficult. Sometimes I know the Packers talking to people up there that they, they, they do think his size helps usually a bigger receiver. That's young has a little bit easier chance to start uh, making an impact right away, just because they can use their body in a sense, I just think I brought up Tom earlier in the, you know, just a second ago, I, I guys, I, like, there were times, weren't there years where you're like, who is Brady going to throw to? Like, who are these guys? Like, 
And, and outside of like Julian Edelman, who I, I, some people say is a Hall of Famer, which I think is completely absurd. Um, but like outside of like the year with Randy Moss, he hasn't had a great receiving group like ever. And they adapt and change every year and they play great. And I don't see why you could think any different of Aaron Rodgers, as well as having a tremendous defense in, in Green Bay. They could have one of the best defenses in football uh, this year, if not the best, um, when it all plays out. So I, I, there's a lot in his favor for this to, to be to be fine uh, is probably the best way at the beginning of the season and figured out by the end of the season. I think Deion Sanders might lose his mind if Julian Edelman ended up in the, the Hall of Fame. Given his, his <laughs> yeah, Prime is not happy about people sliding into that Hall of Fame. He wants his gold jacket to be worth something. I, I, I can understand that. Um, I suppose looking at the, the AFC West, the, the Raiders are kind of flying under the radar a little bit, right? Because the Chargers have done so much in the offseason. The Chiefs will be always be the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and the Broncos are getting a lot of love with Russell Wilson there. Um, but when you have a team who has um, Devonta Adams, Waller and Renfro as three, we've talked, you've talked about path catchers. I mean, you could argue like as Patrick's catchers go, that's as good a trio as you'll find anywhere in the league. For, for you, in terms of what you're hearing, should we, should we be paying more attention to the Raiders or are the concerns around the O-line justifying them being the the kind of fourth people what are people are considering the fourth team in the AFC West. I you want me to dog the Raiders. I know you do. I know you want me to I I know I, 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 like, no, I, I can't. I genuinely I, I said it I said it on our show when I, I just gave you three. I I genuinely think when I, I know I can't see your factors, hands. Your fingers are crossed down here. I'm going I, like I don't want I don't better. want the Raiders to have success. But I will admit, when I look at those pass catchers, they're they're a oh, concern for anybody. So I, I I'm on board with you. I I don't think there's a better trio. It's funny doing these joint practices with the Eagles and the and the Browns. I think I think you got to look at like Philly too. Um, they're not. I don't think they're better than the Raiders three. But Dallas Goddard is one of the most criminally underrated players in the NFL. There are people I talk to around the league. I think he's a top three tight end. No lie. Um, he is unbelievably talented. And Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, that's a great trio. I, I go by pass catchers, like you said. I don't know if there's a better three than than Waller, what he can do. He's not really a tight end. He's a massive receiver that plays in the slot, plays against, can take people deep. Not very tight ends can can stretch a defense. Um, and the way that – and I talked to Hunter Renfro about this last year, about how different their offense was, and obviously it's a different offense now with Josh McDaniels running it, but how different things are when Darren Waller's not on the field, the attention that he draws. He's like, I, I'm running free in one-on-one matchups that I know I'm going to win because they're option routes. I can just go where, I, where the least amount of help is. And Derek and I know each other so well. Um, uh, we can kind of play whatever we want. When he's not on the field, I can't do any of those things. Um, that's why I think this might be the best trio in football for that reason of talent, all three of them. And the other part is chemistry. Like Derek has two best friends in his life. Well, his brother, David, who I work with would argue that he's his best friend, but he's one best hair at NFL network. And I really am upset about that. And I've talked to Derek about it. I'm very, very upset. Um, but when you play with your two best friends that are, you know, Hunter Renfro and Devonte Adams, those are the guys that he, he just spends all of his time with and knows like the back of his hand that you can't substitute that. Like the, what you can do 
and we've seen it just with Hunter and, and Derek. We're gonna we're gonna see it with with Devonte and Derek, to where like they they know each other's movements before you know they happen really, <laughs> like without talking. It's I don't know how you can stop those guys, and I think Derek is also an extremely underrated quarterback. I do think the offensive line is a problem. I wouldn't be surprised if they make some moves. Um, when you have somebody like uh, Lester Cotton uh, starting at at guard, probably for you. Um, I think Colton Minter at the left tackle spot is probably, you know, they're only like surefire, like pretty good, pretty good starter on that offensive line. Um, I think there's, there's fear because we've seen Derek kind of crumble before, like a lot of pressure. Don't want to turn the football over. Don't want to make a mistake. If that's happening, um, it could be difficult. Uh, it could be really difficult, but also it could be a whole lot of fun to watch these guys. That's that's my roast on you, Colin. Like it, it could be a whole lot of fun to watch the Raiders play football because for all of the question marks surrounding Josh McDaniels as a head coach after what happened in Denver, and then I guess we can say like what didn't happen in Indy because he just never showed up for the press conference. Uh, so like there's like that, but there's no question about his football sense and his offensive mind. That's never been in, in question. So I, I think it could be really exciting to watch him. And if Derek has time, I I, it's, I don't know how you slow this offense down. James, you're, you're talking about hair there. The, the head coach of the team in which I support the New York Giants has no hair. Um, he put it down last week to an inter- on his interview that he has five children. He's 47, he has five children. His oldest is 23, his youngest is four. So I can understand why he has no hair left. But <laughs> if, he, if he did have any hair left, I'd imagine by week five, week six, he might be pulling it out if Daniel Jones doesn't make a huge improvement. And like Giants fans are already have this expectation. He, he has had experience with Tyler Taylor in Buffalo. If they have the relationship there, the likelihood is he's on a short leash and come week four, week five, if things don't vastly improve with, with essentially a brand new offensive line again, give or take, that he, will, he won't be on the field for much longer. Um, it feels like a Drew Lock Teddy Bridgewater scenario from last year, albeit Teddy won the job. The job isn't there mm-hmm. to be won, but do you see that similarity? Is it, is it really a case that this is going to be his last year here? I, I, I mean, when you're a quarterback picked, you know, where Daniel Jones was picked, and you're playing on your last year of your contract, it's never a good sign of your future with the organization. Um, Especially when a new coaching staff comes in that doesn't have any tie to your selection at all. They didn't pick you. Um, So they're not, you know, their investment is not there. They go, this isn't our guy. You know, we we came in to change this organization. We're going to go with somebody else. That's definitely a possibility. We've seen it a lot of times. Keep your eye on Chicago. Like, I think Fields played pretty good in his first, in this last preseason game, but like Eberflus and them, they don't have any tie to, to Justin Fields. They actually haven't set him up to succeed either. That's kind of a bad spot. We can go down the Justin Fields getting screwed rabbit hole um, if we want. But I, I think they're going to do everything in their in their uh, power to set him up to succeed because you don't get picked there because you don't have talent. And I do think there's been a lot of things that have gone wrong. I do think when Jason Garrett was there, they kind of put the handcuffs on Daniel Jones. I go back to his rookie year and go like, he, he was, you know, throwing the ball deep and make, taking some chances. And it's funny, the stats are almost the same when he was allowed to do that to when, you know, they, they told him he, he, didn't, he couldn't like take those chances and, and, and make those plays. Um, I do think it's going to be set up completely different. I think the addition of, of Kafka really helps as well. A guy that comes from Andy Reid's tree it is all about, setting up mismatches 
and setting up explosive plays within mismatches and the right times to take those. I think with Dable and Kafka, I think that helps him out. I think a couple of things that could play to his favor, the the usage of Saquon in a different capacity than what we've seen the last couple of years, uh, I think will be another guy playing, you know, for his like, you know, for, for dollars. Um he's a great receiver and they need to utilize that. And we've seen that in camp, you know, him going out and, and putting two backs on the field, him going in the slot, doing these things, all these different things. My point is to set up Daniel Jones for success. I don't know how quick the leash is because I want to, I, if I'm the coaching staff, I want to see if we have something. And um, if it starts to be a lost season and you're going, Oh, well, Daniel Jones, isn't the guy. I don't think keep playing him either you're going to find out he's not, or he's going to lose you all the games. And you've got three monster quarterbacks coming up in this draft that you can take in, you know, the kid from Kentucky who I'm hearing unbelievable things about um, Levis or, you know, CJ Stroud, OH, uh, I'm a Buckeye uh, or Bryce young. Like, so I, I think you, I, I don't know if you pull him um, because there's so many things you want answered. Some things have not gone in Daniel Jones's favor. We'll be honest about that. Some of it's his fault. Some of it I don't think is his fault uh, at all. And so maybe you want a, a sample size big enough to really make sure moving on is the right the right play. So just just on that, um, there's a difficulty there because if you look at the schedule, I'm not going to say it's soft because all the other teams will assess the Giants. In the Everybody same in manner. the NFC has an easier schedule than anybody in the NFC. Yeah, the Giants play the Lions, they play uh, the Texans, the Jags, uh, the Bears, the Panthers, all, I would say, with all due respect to their fans and those teams, are winnable games. So you could find a situation where you win seven mm-hmm. or eight games and you're in the middle of the pack come draft time and then you may not be able to get up the, up the ladder to essentially get the quarterback in the future. That's a, that's a concern, isn't it? Oh, Totally. Totally. And, and listen, it is, it is a difficult spot when, you know, I always, I always evaluate it like this. Like I was talking to some people at these joint practices about the Eagles. Like if you're in the middle of the pack, it's a very difficult place to be. If you're at the bottom, you know, change has to happen. Like usually at your quarterbacks, right? If you're a bad quarterback, you know, you got to find somebody else. Jalen Hurts is probably going to win games for the, in the NFL, whatever his role is forever. He's just a winner. But is he a franchise, like, get to the Super Bowl winner? Well, we don't know yet. This is his second year as a starter. But that's what makes that job difficult. Like, you're right. If Brian Dable and Mike Kafka do a brilliant job with with Daniel Jones, but he's still not the guy and you're in the middle of the pack, it's, I always feel like that's such a hard place to be because you're exactly, you know, exactly right, Brian. Like, what do you – you can't get up there, but you're also winning games. But you also know you can't – ever get up there as in to that group that is legit Super Bowl contender. So then like you're in this spot in the middle where you're like, do we stay with him? Cause he wins us some games, but like, it's like the guys on the, around the NFL podcast uh, at our place. Like they call it the Andy Dalton line, like, cause Andy Dalton will win you games, but you're probably not winning a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton. Um, it's a hard area to be in. That's going to be the difficult decision that you're right. They could be with this, with this uh, schedule be in the mix for a division that nobody wins two years in a row for some reason, which is so bizarre about the NFC East um, that like, wh- what if they win the division? Do you like, is Daniel Jones your guy or do you keep pushing at the, I mean, nobody tanks games really in the NFL, not allowed to do that. Um, they'll make sure they had a big meeting the other day. And so it is, it's a hard spot to be in, um, in that middle area. You just have to figure out if they, if that's your guy, they could have him probably on a, 
you know, not a ridiculous quarterback contract, which could always help if they end up bringing, bringing him back in some capacity. James, before uh, I let you go, um, much to the charging of my co-host here, but um, I've spoken to you before my affinity for the city of Philadelphia. You've spoken a little bit about the Eagles. And one, one of the things, I suppose, just, um, you know, I, I'm interested in your, your thoughts, but one of the things that I found really impressive was Jordan Davis had a clip that went viral, right, with, with him pushing back. Yeah. And, and I, look, he's a big man. But what I found really impressive was he gets asked about it and he says he he hates it going viral because Cam Jurgens has got the better of him during um, some one-on-ones during camp as well and maybe people haven't seen it. I, I don't even know if that's true, but I thought it was really impressive of a young guy, a rookie who comes in and in stark contrast to maybe some of the uh, quarterbacks who've been asked, should they, you know, mentor uh, younger guys? This is the guy who got it. I, I, he bigs up his teammate. He draws a line under it. I'm just interested in, in the, you know, your feelings on the Eagles and, and like what we, I think they've done right by Hertz. We've talked about teams that haven't done right by their, their QBs, mm-hmm. but under a first year head coach and with a, a QB making his, his, you know, his first, I suppose, season as a starter, they went to the playoffs. I mean, we don't know about Jalen Hurts, but if he was to take them back to the, the playoffs again, I mean, that's, they, who, who knows once you're in the dance, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. I, I, this is a massive year for Philly and a massive year for Jalen Hurts. Um, that first drive in his first uh, preseason game, I can't get any better than six for six for 80 yards and a touchdown pass and a perfect quarterback rating. Like, they've embraced how he plays. It's going to be like first read, second read, use your legs to make something happen. And they're fine with that. And I don't really understand why that's knocked all that much either. It's a skill set that you have. The guy that can get to the fourth read standing in the pocket or the guy that can scramble and make something happen. They both can be explosive plays. Um, I think you're exactly right that they've set him up to succeed. This is a guy that is going to have, like we talked about, three great pass catchers, maybe one of the best offensive lines in all of football, a defense that um, has vastly improved. It was a bad pass defense last year, Um, but they got better as the season went on for sure. Jonathan Gannon, they may not have back after this season. He's a big head coaching candidate around the league. Keep an eye on, on his prospects after this season, but I just think they put themselves in a perfect spot to surround Jalen with everything he needs to make the perfect evaluation, right? We talked about Chicago. I don't know how you can properly evaluate Justin Fields with the team that's around him, whether he's the guy. I think you can do a very good evaluation through 17 games of Jalen Hurts because he's going to be protected. He's a number one running defense and running offense in all of football. And those pass catchers, you have perfect evaluation and you have two first round picks the next year to, to go and look at. If he's the guy, and you have those two picks to make your team even better. And you, you, the Eagles are in a great position. Safety is their only concern. Two good corners in Slay and Bradbury. I think their draft was really strong. I'm big on environments. Where you land as a young player is your environment as you bring up Jordan Davis. Like a lot of times a guy comes in and he has to be relied on right away. I've had this conversation with Kareem Jackson a bunch of times about his first year in Houston when he was a first-round pick at the corner spot on maybe the worst defense we've ever seen. Um, and I was covering the team then. It was awful. And, like, he took so much shit for it. Like, what is he going to do, like, as a rookie? To, Jordan Davis walks into a situation where he's going to learn from Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargraves and learn how to be a – a great defensive uh, line player on the inside. And, oh, yeah, his defensive line coach has known him since he was about 17 years old. 
and and recruited him to to Georgia. Like it's it's a great environment for him to to step into. Um, that front seven is really really good. Um, and so I think with Jalen on the other side, everything is right there for him. And I'll be honest, I'm drinking the Kool Aid. I did his pro day and I was like, I don't see it translating to the NFL. Now three years later, I'm like, guys. This guy's the real deal. <laughs> like it, it just he he brings that to the locker room. He brings that to to everybody around him. He's just a winner. Um, but is he in that top group? We'll find out. But this has I I, I like that you guys ask me questions. I'm gonna ask you one. This has a similar feel to like the early Russell Wilson years, where he's a third round pick, and like everybody's like, this is a really good team he's on oh, we might have something at the quarterback spot. It has a similar vibe because there were definitely questions about Russ coming in. Is that Does it have that kind of feeling like this guy could be a legit I, quarterback? I can now. say that Vic Fangio basically dared Jalen Hurts to beat him with his arm last year, and Jalen went and did it. And and to me, that that's a pretty big that, – that's a step. I, I don't know if he's the the guy, but I, I like what Howie has done. And I, as, as you said, I think everything is there. If he takes the step, they could absolutely fly. Oh, yeah. You don't have to pay him? Oh, you don't have to pay him for a couple of years. You're in a great spot. Come on. Don't be shy down there, Brian. What do you think? Come on. I was just going to say – I, I You don't want to talk about the Eagles. No, just no, like, no, no. I was just going to say – I'm not sure if we can compare the – the Russell Wilson one, because I don't think their expectation was to start him very quickly because they just brought in Flynn from the Packers that offseason, if you recall. I know we're going true, back. But, that, but remember, two years ago, like Jalen wasn't supposed to finish the season, That's true. right? He wasn't supposed to be the starter. Um, they wanted him to sit and wait. I just, and like, I, I know Russ, like, really early on, we were like, oh, wow, this is really something. Jalen's not like an oh, wow, but it's like, this is a really good roster with a quarterback we're not having to pay and he could really win us some games and the rest of our roster could win us those games as well. He needs to throw the ball better for sure. But like, man, he torched the Browns uh, in the joint practice. I mean, who, um, but he did just come completely avoid Denzel Ward. I'll say that. Like it was like Denzel Ward was on Jalen uh, was on AJ Brown and it was like Devonte Smith, Devonte Smith completion, Devonte Smith completion. It was like, well, just avoid the amazing corner on the other side. James, don't forget they had to bench him in week 17 to give the backup an opportunity because they weren't too sure. Remember that incident against Washington? I'm, st- I'm still hurting over it. You mean when I'm they still- benched him? When they benched the entire team? Yeah. I'm still I'm still hurting over it. <laughs> that was a wild situation, wasn't it? Man, I haven't seen one like that in a while. Well, the, the, the Eagles, oh, yeah, the Eagles tanked, but I didn't see the NFL giving them a call when they were calling Miami recently. Anyway, we, final one for me. That Miami situation, <laughs> we can talk, we can do a whole show. I know, I'm That's joking. a little different than uh, the Eagles. Uh, not right. Yeah, for sure. No, I, it's, it's, it, Philly's a really interesting team to watch because all of a sudden it's been put together pretty well. Um, you know, and uh, the trenches are always, I talked to Nick Sirianni about this uh, on the field just the other day, like the trenches are where you win everything. And man, they look good on O line, D line. Yeah, final one for me, James. Um, I've had I've had jobs throughout the years where I've gone in, I've worked hard, and I've earned the trust of my bosses, which which means I can work from home essentially every day now. Just as well that Tom Brady hey. proved himself in Tampa very quickly. Otherwise, he wouldn't have got this this late summer break. I I, I don't. I, nobody knows. Nobody like, knows what's going on. It's and as every day, Pat, we're gonna find out. Uh, obviously after this next preseason game, because he's supposed to come back after the Titans game. 
Um, there, top there's, top listen, we, this is what we do. We all are digging for information. There's really nothing. I told you you'd have we know his family's healthy. <laughs> you got it? It's just he was told he can work from home? No, no. I, said I, ta- I, I thought you'd have some, some, some little nugget of information for us. <laughs> God, this do you think he's retiring right now, Dan? No, no, no. I just think he's come to an agreement with the books that allows him to have a little yeah. bit more leeway than other players. Yeah. Well, it, he started it, doing it at the end of New England. Um, but that was in the OTA mini camp type of time where he would just spend more time with his family. No, this is really weird. I mean, it is as each day passes, it's a little like there's more questions about like I, I we've been told that he's fine health-wise his family's fine health-wise because uh you know his mother's had some health issues in the past um and you, you don't you, you hope everything's fine uh personally um and he's taking this but um yeah it's it's really interesting i mean it's it is weird because i'll be honest and we'll see what happens in a few days and nobody's really talking about it i mean obviously the deshaun watson news is is dominating the headlines um but for the greatest player of all time to just be like away and nobody's talking about it is very bizarre. Yeah, it, it's certainly interesting. Though special players get special treatment, and and on this side of the the Atlantic, uh, Alex Ferguson, uh, you know, famous Manchester United manager, most successful manager in football history, gave Eric Cantona a lot of leeway. So look, we will we will see it will play right. out, but. James, you have been more than generous with your time. We truly appreciate it. Uh, we're looking forward, obviously, to the new season, and uh, our fans will be looking forward to seeing you on NFL Network. You can find James on Twitter at James Palmer uh, TV, and uh, he is always uh, entertaining as he is here. We do want you to come to Ireland to to uh, and treat Listen, you to some pints. Can you send that in a video? Text it to me. And I'll show my wife and go, listen, we have been requested. We have to go. And there's no getting around it. James, you're a gentleman. Thanks again for your time. All right, guys. Take it easy.